Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, the Brexit saga seems far from over, even with a draft deal on the table. The latest and what it means for Canadian businesses. You're listening to BIV Today. It's really a story that's changing every minute. The United Kingdom and the European Union have a draft Brexit deal on the table, but it still has several important hurdles to clear, including receiving support from EU leaders and British Parliament. Tensions among the British public, politicians, businesses are no doubt running high. And I'm joined today by Jason Langrish, Executive Director of the Canada Europe Roundtable for Business, to talk about this further. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. There are a lot of really strong opinions about the deal that's on the table. How would you describe this draft deal and and how good it is for the UK and the EU? Yeah, it was inevitable that there would be strong opinions on any draft deal that was put forward, given that there are, uh, you know, so many differing views on Brexit in the UK. My personal view is considering how far along this process has gone without resolution um, and how fragmented the whole process has been, the deal isn't bad. Uh, It could use a few tweaks. Uh, There's a few things that could be done to it to make it more palatable to some of the people who are uh, showing opposition to the deal. But all in all, it does deliver in terms of an orderly exit agreement from the EU. And what is really important about this deal is that it provides a robust transition period to put in place the future relationship between the UK and the EU. I've seen documents and drafts that have said this could go as far as or as long as until the end of 2022. So -hmm. it effectively buys a four plus years to negotiate a future trade and investment relationship between the UK and the EU. So all in all, not bad, certainly better than a hard Brexit. Now, my follow-up question is whether we'll actually end up with this deal, because there still remains some uncertainty at this point. Where do you fall on that? Oh, that's anybody's anybody's guess. <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's just a, it's, a, it's a virtually virtually impossible to answer that question. I do think that Prime Minister May will survive um, any sort of uh, potential vote of confidence on her leadership. I think that saner heads would prevail on that front and recognize that uh, a change of government, a change of leadership at this stage is not going to improve the chances of an orderly Brexit or a good outcome for the UK vis-a-vis the relations with the EU. Whether or not this document, however, can get through um, the British Parliament is another question. Uh, There's a lot of signals that it won't be able to make it through. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. But I hesitate to say all of this because in one hour, there could be a breaking news story and everything (laughs) I just said, we could throw it in the trash bin. Yeah, no, there's so much going on now, and it really is a developing story, particularly this week. I'm I'm curious from a business perspective, you're calling this a fairly orderly Brexit, at least in terms of the draft deal 
that is currently on the table for businesses and investors that have been waiting almost two and a half years for some kind of answer. Is this a relief to them? Is it beneficial to them? Where does it sort of leave business in all of this? Well, I think it's better than all the other alternatives that are on the table. And that's why you've seen organizations like the Confederation of British Industry coming out in support of this. It's not perfect. I mean, there's many businesses that would prefer Brexit doesn't happen and that they just remain in the single market. But clearly that doesn't seem, at least at this juncture, to be on the table. What it does do, which is significant, is it deals with the so-called backstop, which is what happens if you don't have an agreement and you could be faced with a situation where the UK withdraws and a hard border uh, has to form between Northern Ireland and Ireland. And what this, what this draft does is it creates a backstop where the entirety of the UK remains in the customs union for an extended period of time. Now, of course, a lot of Brexiters don't like this because they feel this is just more of the same <clears throat> what they voted against. But businesses do like it because what it does mean is there's at least some certainty into the foreseeable future that they're not going to get stuck with this you know, sort of disastrous scenario where all of a sudden they're, you know, overnight there could be customs checks popping up at borders and causing all kinds of disruption to their supply chain. So I think businesses is, 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 you know, maybe lukewarm in their support, but they're supporting this because, as I said, they realize this is better than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. Where do you think this is going to leave the UK? Assuming, let's say, that this draft deal is the one that we end up with, what's their standing going to be on the world stage in terms of trade and, and global economics if they successfully manage this orderly Brexit? Okay, remember, though, uh, it, it, we, we need to bear in mind, this is simply the withdrawal agreement. These are the terms on which the United Kingdom is going to withdraw from the European Union. This does not define what the future relationship will be between the UK and the European Union. And that is arguably more important. That is what business is going to be looking at because the, the, that outcome is going to determine the degree to which the UK can negotiate free trade agreements with other trading partners like Canada and China, the, the United States. It will also... Uh, clarify the degree to which somebody who, uh, say, invests in the UK, the degree of access that they'll have to the 500 million person um, EU market. So it, like I said, in the sort of immediate to midterm, it provides certainty for uh, existing investments, existing supply chains, that their access via the customs union to the EU will not be disrupted. But it does not provide clarity in terms of what the future relationship will look like 5, 10, 15 years out. So there's still a degree of uncertainty, but it's not as bad as walking up until March 29th with no deal and then facing a hard Brexit immediately and all the chaos and disruption that that would cause. Of course. Because of that ongoing uncertainty, what kind of impact has it had on businesses, let's say Canadian businesses that have interests in Europe and or the UK? Well, again, it, it's hard to tell, but we have seen, you know, there's sort of anecdotal evidence. There's been a slowdown in the British economy. Um, investments have obviously been put on hold because remember, a lot of these investments that would be made in the UK would be for, say, manufacturing operations that service not just the UK, 
but the entire EU market. So clearly, you're not going to make a major investment decision for, say, a plant or a facility that services the EU when you do not know what the future relationship is going to be between the EU and the UK. So there has probably been a slowdown on that front. Um, there's been so there'd be a, a broad slowdown in business investments. Uh, there's been a drop in the value of the pound, um, which probably provides some relief to, to UK exporters. But it's uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. It's never a good thing for businesses. Uh, I think as well, we've seen with regards to the Canada-EU trade agreement, which was went into force one year ago, initial um, results are in. And they show that European exports to Canada have increased more rapidly than Canadian exports to the EU has increased. And I think a reason for that is, is because a lot of our exports do go to the United Kingdom and perhaps, you know, the, the sort of the uncertainty around what's happening with Brexit may have caused some of those import exports to uh, either stay at the level that they're at or possibly even decline. It, it's really mm-hmm. tough to say, but I think this, it, again, I come back to this point. Now, I wanted to ask you about CETA. We do have it in place in Canada, but of course, there are many countries that have yet to ratify the agreement, including major economies like France and Germany. What's been the delay there? Uh, it's, it, you know, this is, this is quite typical. Uh, for instance, when the EU negotiated its, uh, its free trade agreement with uh, South Korea, it took four years to ratify. 28 member states, different political configurations, different viewpoints on international trade agreements at any given point in time in all those different member states. As a result of that, they often choose to go through the ratification process at different times. So, for example, in a country like Italy that has a relatively newly formed populist government that doesn't like the concept of international trade agreements, generally speaking, has sort of set itself up in opposition to Brussels and the European Commission and the European Union, they're going to be in no hurry to ratify the Canada-EU-CETA agreement. So so it's really that's the backdrop against which all of this is happening. But I do also want to clarify, that's just a small proportion of the agreement that they're ratifying uh, that is yet to be enforced, really investor protection rules. About 98% of the agreement is already in force and being used by businesses for the last year. And that is not going to change regardless as to how long it takes for these member states to fully approve this treaty. I'm curious, too, you're on the ground here in Canada. Anecdotally, have you seen more interest from businesses that maybe a lot of their export had been done with the UK, but they're now looking to either set up a base in the rest of Europe, continental Europe, or expand operations? I've heard some chatter about it, but nothing really tangible. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit too soon to tell. And generally speaking, there's been a lot of uncertainty around trade in general. We've seen it with the USMCA. Well, we have a draft agreement or an agreement in principle we don't know how long it's going to take to ratify that agreement or indeed if it can even be brought into force given the different configuration in the U.S. Congress. There's obviously uncertainty around Brexit. There's uncertainty that's been created in the trade war between the United States and China. So I think what you're seeing is, a, again, it's this uncertainty. I know I keep coming back to this. I'm, I'm beating this word like a dead horse. But it's because it is the number one issue for business decision makers right now is that 
we it's it's difficult for us to be really aggressive in terms of going after certain business opportunities when we do not know what next year is going to look like and that holds true for all pretty much all of our trading relationships um, but I do think that in scenario planning, certainly there are um, scenarios where where businesses that are currently invested in the UK are planning for alternate arrangements in other European countries or member states. And the most notable example of that would be in the financial services sector. So if there is a hard Brexit, let's just say there is, and the financial services operators in the UK lose access to the passporting rights, which are basically the right to operate throughout the EU from their London or UK base. They've already gone through, um, they're already going through the process of setting up smallish operations in countries that were, are within the EU and will remain within the EU. So this could be Frankfurt, it could be Dublin, it could be Amsterdam. So there's these types of contingency planning, it's already happening. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you about this. There is some support, a small amount of support at this point in time within British Parliament for a second referendum, which would include putting it back to the public, the option to remain part of the EU after all of this time. And there are some business leaders calling on the UK to, to have such a second kind of vote. Realistically, do you think there is a chance that after, as I said, two and a half years, the UK does decide to remain in the EU? Or are we kind of too far past that point, do you think? Oh, I think I think anything is possible. I, I At this stage, I still think it's unlikely, but anything is possible. I mean, Theresa May's government could fall. It could be replaced by a Labour government. Um, there could be a a sort of renegotiation between the um, uh, the UK and the EU over the exit agreement. And there could indeed be a second referendum. Anything is possible. Um, to those who believe, though, that a second referendum will solve this problem, I would urge caution. I'm not convinced that the vote would turn out any differently. Or imagine this. Imagine a scenario where the Remain side won, but by a relatively thin margin. Mm. That would stoke outrage on the right and certainly the people who support Brexit. It would undermine confidence in British institutions. It would undermine confidence in the democratic process. And it could ultimately make things much worse than they are now. So I think they need to be very thoughtful and very careful about the path that they take forward, uh, at least to the degree that this path is under their control. Yes, that would be a very risky proposition. Uh, before we wrap up, Jason, you mentioned many times the word uncertainty. For businesses in Canada that are watching all of this and trying to make sense of it, and it is changing day to day, what's the advice? What's the message? Is it to wait and see? Is it to pay close attention? Is it to look elsewhere? What do you tell businesses? Well, it really depends. I mean, if you're, for instance, if you're making um you know, if you have a, a healthy trading relationship with the UK and the UK is your, your primary market and that's what that's you service the UK or you invest in the UK, um, then continue. I mean, if you feel confident in the long term prospects, it really depends on your individual situation. I also think, um, <clears throat> you know, scenario planning is important and looking at, you know, what different uh, outcomes could deliver and how that could impact your businesses and 
you know, every business accepts a degree of risk. This is somewhat unprecedented. So, so I think it's, uh, you know, there's no one size fits all. Uh, but I, I, I would also say this, uh, you know, for business leaders who are active in these areas and maybe don't, you know, have the time or inclination to pay a lot of attention to political developments, uh, now, now may be the time to start paying a little bit more attention to these things and, uh, and if necessary, uh, seeking outside counsel. Uh, that can be very helpful as well in terms of uh, planning, uh, sometimes relying exclusively on internal resources may not um, give you the breadth, breadth of, of knowledge and input that, that, that you might, uh, might be more useful for you in terms of deciding what you're going to do next. That's a great point. Jason, a pleasure having you on the show. I may have to have you back in a couple of weeks' time to break down the additional news that will inevitably come. But for now, thank you again for coming on the show. Yeah, who, who knows? It may even be tomorrow, <laughs> right? The way things are going. Thanks Very for having well me. Be. <laughs> That's Jason Langrish, Executive Director of the Canada-Europe Roundtable for Business. That's it for our show. Thank you for listening to BIV today. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Share our show on social media. We appreciate it when you do. And listen to episodes and read more business news over at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>